hiatus and uh, now we're back in a new year 2016 and we're ready to go i'm tim swartz and of course with me tonight is my good friend mike mott mike how you doing tonight good man except for that holiday hiatal hernia (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding i'm good man (laughs) it's good to be back really is Uh, it is it is and uh, i i take it you had a, a good holiday yeah, it was good. It was it was good. A lot of a lot of uh, uh, hobnobbing with loved ones and some friends and things like that. So it was it was very good. How was yours? Oh, it was excellent, excellent. You know, good. So, you know, I, I take I take it your little girl had a good visit from Santa Claus. She did. She did. This will probably be her last year in believing in Santa Claus. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're kind of pushing it a little bit, I think, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. You know, just, you know, because of her age. But, uh, you know, she she had a great time, and, uh, you know, next year will be fun, too, but, boy, I tell you, once they stop believing in Santa Claus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it, 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 really, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's but then it then you get a different kind of pressure because right. she, she knows who to uh uh start hitting up for the for they know, what they the, want those expensive yeah. christmas presents yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, I, I i was meaning to ask you and uh, and you don't have to say anything on the air if this is this is a personal thing uh but how's your dog doing <laughs> um oh Depends on which one you're talking about. I got I got four, but they're they're doing okay. You mean the one that got hit by a car? <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> she's doing all right. Yeah, she, she's, okay. she's so mean. I don't think it'll hurt her too bad. <laughs> she, she's, she's healing up. She's got a cast on her leg. So, well, you can you can tell people if anybody asked her. It's like, yeah, well, she had a run in with uh, you know the uh, uh, Bigfoot that lives uh, in the woods behind your house. There you go. Well, you know, I got the two big German shepherds. And uh, I got that little scrapper dog, and I got another one in the house. I got four dogs. And this little dog that's outside, she thinks that she's tougher than every other living thing. And if she could, she would drag a car off and bury it. But, you know. That's a tough dog. Yeah, well, maybe she learned her lesson this time, hopefully. You know, stay away from the from the rotating metal and rubber contraptions because they're going to get you if you don't watch out. That's right. That's right. Uh, some dogs, they never learn. Uh, yeah. When I, when I was a kid, you know, we had dogs that, you know, uh, uh, most of them, st- you know, stayed in the yard. You know, uh, we had a fence. They stayed behind the fence. We had a couple that always would jump the fence to chase cars. Well, and, this little dog, yeah. she, does, she just runs at them when they come up the driveway. 
Oh, okay. Which she got hit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she'll dart out in front of him and see she's low to the ground. So, I mean, she's half Rottweiler and half Heinz 57. <laughs> so she's very smart. She's also very, very kind of uh, stocky. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was going to say uh, 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 cocky. Yeah. yeah, that too. Yeah. 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 She should I, tell. I, she's really smart, but she's well, just. That's, that's the worst kind, though. They're, you yeah. know, they're, the, they're the ones, they're fearless. Yeah. She is. She'll, she'll tie up with anything, man. She'll she'll go jump on anything in the woods. She doesn't care. I mean, she's really tough like that. But anyway, yeah. um, hey, you uh, you sent me uh, a couple of uh, interesting articles yesterday um, about the uh, uh, secret space program, and uh, I was a- I was able to get access to one, but the other one, uh, the website was down, so I never had a, a chance to to read that one. The uh, yeah, I didn't get the other one either. The, I sent you the one where the guy claimed to be talking to beans inside the earth. Right, thing. right. I mean, it really to me it's it smacks of it's almost like a reinvention of so many things that people like you and I have researched before. Where people come out with these extraordinary claims about encounters with with alien galactic councils and and you know subterranean civilizations, but it's always all this love and light bullshit. Excuse my French. You know all this. You know, I mean, it's it's like it's, it's almost like you're reading. It's not even on the level of what Richard Shaver was writing, okay? Oh no! Well, Richard Shaver—I mean, his stuff definitely was not love and light. <laughs> but but I, but I mean, in terms of the the, the storytelling that's going on, it, I mean, people are, are buying this stuff as as true, and I'm not buying it. You know. So. Well, uh, I mean, I, it just—I'm sorry, but uh, you know, where's where's the proof? Yeah, and you know, uh, especially when okay, when it when it comes to the things that 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 we discuss on the show, you know, say like UFOs or cryptid animals or things like that, I or, mean, or even subterranean mysteries that there are there's evidence for those things. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. and you get you get these guys who I mean, you know, who like, like this guy was saying that there, uh, you know, at one point that there were extraterrestrial spacecraft the size of, uh, what was Jupiter. it? Ne- Neptune Jupiter. Neptune Jupiter coming yeah. into the edge of the solar system. Now, I don't know, uh, if, if, if people realize this, but, um, uh, you could fit like probably what, like a million Earths, I think, into Jupiter. Yeah. yeah. That's how big it is. Well, and even it, beyond, even beyond that, he's talking about, um, you know, it's like a it's like a badly written sci-fi fantasy thing, and and there are other people involved in the so-called disclosure movement who are buying this hogwash, and who are getting a lot of attention for it and doing interviews and stuff, and it's it's all BS. It's BS. You know, he, the guy floats around in a blue globe. He gets transported instantly inside of a blue globe, which is also an alien, to go talk to the big aliens that run everything, and then he. But then he gets called to a special meeting inside the Earth to talk to some secret council of inner Earth civilizations who are, of course, all wonderful and ethereal and, and like light elves or, or uh, the, the Lemurians beneath Mount Shasta type deal, like we're so enlightened, you know, come mind meld with us, all this kind of stuff. You know, this is all the same old gobbledygook. I'm making crap up, you know, listen to me, give me attention. Here, donate to my website. And I can't believe that people are falling for this because it's the same old crap. It's no mm-hmm. different than, than, than Claude Doggins or so-called Doriel or, or anybody in the past that did the same stuff. Except now people have the Internet so they can really, really, you know, 
ramp it up, I guess you could say. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's an awful lot. Also, like uh, some of the early uh, contactees with the you know the Space Brothers and the yeah uh, you know I mean they come from the planet Venus to uh, uh, to teach us to uh, uh, live together and uh, get rid of atomic weapons and <laughs> yeah well the thing is that that he he does you know you could tell that he's read other people's research mm-hmm. I mean there's no doubt about that you can look through his thing that he wrote, say for instance about his inner earth thing, and you can see things that have been lifted from all kinds of other people's books, research, claims, encounters, and then he just kind of mixes it all together, because he's got like, you know, David Icke's Draco reptilians mixed with, you know, these Lemurian types, and it's all just kind of thrown together in this hodgepodge deal, and but it, it reads like really bad sci-fi. It does, yeah, it really does. And, well, and, and you know, and, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say, I, I was waiting for the sex part, but it never happened. <laughs> it, it, it was just, it was just, come my mail with me, Earth man. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're gonna write a story like that, you might as well just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing that I was going to say is, is that if. Um, if these extraterrestrials were, were were driving giant spaceship the size of Jupiter into the solar system, we would see them. Well, but Tim, but see, they they have an explanation for all that. Not only that, you'd see the gravitational. I guess I, I, guess I missed that part. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just know how this works. See, I've I've dealt with these types of claims so so many years, people. So here's what they'll say. They'll say, well. The reason you don't see the effect of the gravity on the other planets by these gigantic planet-sized spaceships is because they exist in the fifth dimension. Mm, They're on another vibratory rate. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, (laughs) give me a break. Yeah, just more of the same. Yeah, more of the same. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Though I mean, you know, I, I to me, I mean, I'm, I, I've been pretty much convinced for quite a while that that yeah, there is a secret space program. Uh, you know, probably maybe even several of them, like Walter Bosley, you know, right. has has, has right. postulated. You know, uh, right. But but as to being. Uh, <laughs> As to having, you know, like th- this kind of extensive yes. contact. Yes, with, yes. being uh, involved in intergalactic politics, right. I don't think so. Yeah, a la, yeah. A la, you know, like the Federation on yeah. Star Trek. Exactly. You know, I, uh, and that, that's not to say that we could not have come into contact with evidence of any other spacefarers, even if they came from Earth a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but the things that are being claimed in this so-called cosmic disclosure okay oops i said it (laughs) material is just ludicrous it's ludicrous there's no evidence for any of it no i mean i mean one of these things i remember sometime back someone involved with that was saying something about how you know when putin disappeared he was actually in some some uh meetings in the kremlin dealing with some things having to do with ukraine and, and some other stuff but one of these guys claimed that he was off planet meeting with the the blah 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 guardians of the galaxy blah 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 <laughs> to decide the fate of the earth. He was like, "How the hell do you know?" You know? Yeah, yeah. Where did you where did you get this information? Must have got it from Pravda. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Russian Times. Russian Times. Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves to. Everybody's like, "Did you see this at RT dot com?" Yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I, I wonder how many people realize that. Okay, well, 
first of all, if they realize that RT stands for Russian Times, right. and that uh, the Russian Times is the uh, direct uh, um, uh, descendant, yeah, descendant yeah. of Pravda. Yeah, it is. It, it is Pravda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of, you know, it just, it just they, they just cleaned it up a little bit. And, you know what's sad, though, Tim? There are people out there right now listening to this who are going, what is Pravda? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that Pravda is the propaganda arm of the former Soviet Union mm-hmm. who constantly lied, distorted, and spun information to promote the spread of socialist and violent communism. So that's what Pravda is. So yep. Russian Times is Pravda. And so when you read something at RT.com, you need to keep that in mind because you'll see a lot of stuff there making all kinds of outrageous claims about America did this, America did that. And there's just, this is really what the CIA is doing and all this kind of stuff. And most of the time, it's going to be BS. It's going to be something designed to undermine um, the faith of the people here in our government mm-hmm. and in our, our society. Yeah. You know, so. Though, though I have to admit, like in the in the later days of Pravda, which really wasn't that long ago, uh, yeah. boy, they they had some excellent uh, stories uh, uh, about UFOs and the paranormal and and, and yeah, they like did. That. You know, it's like they finally got their freedom and they just went kind of crazy for a while and and, and I did you know release a lot of information. And one thing that they do have now and have access to to some extent, maybe is that blabbermouth Edward Snowden. They probably got mm. at least some access to some of his stuff. But again, how do you know what's true and what's being mixed with propaganda? You don't. You don't have any way to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you can say the same thing about any country's, um, you know, like national news service. You know. Oh, you can say that about our major networks. Are you kidding oh, me? Uh, yeah, that's true. But all, of our, all of our media is so... Propag- heavily propagandized and and intentionally dis- distorting and misleading that you know what well, can you trust? That's yeah. their job. That's their job. Well, yeah, I was thinking, not supposed to be. But yeah. yeah, well, I was thinking specifically of the um, United States Information Service. I don't know. Oh, if yeah. you're fami- I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, but uh, when I used to uh, work in television in Indianapolis, uh, one year they uh, they hosted the Pan Am Games. And uh, uh, Yusuf uh, um, came in and uh, hired me and uh, some other people uh, to, you know, to be their, you know, photographers and sound people and things like that. And there were a lot of um, uh, um, athletes from, you know, various countries that uh, would not talk to us because we were from the United States Information uh, uh, Service or Agency. Wow. I, I can't remember which one it was now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're you know we'd tell them who they were, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> we, well, were, we can't any, talk to you. <laughs> were any of them uh, uh, intergalactic uh, <laughs> no. hop, hop around playboys who jump from planet to planet and deep into the earth to mine mill with alien babes? You know, I I really cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, oh, not, none of them ever claim they were. Well, it's interesting. Who's to say that they weren't? I recently did an interview, which I don't think has come out yet, with with the with a group that has also interviewed some of the guys we're talking about. And I was not aware, really, of the extent of some of the things that these other guys were claiming 
Mm-hmm. And so I just gave my interview, and I remember one of the things. I don't know if it'll be in there or not. If they'll cut it or if it'll be in there, but they were asking about you know about my research and stuff, and and I said you know really it's a study of, of folklore because whether it really happened or not, it's all part of a, a body of folklore. Just like Jesse James is now part of folklore, or, or Billy the Kid right. are now part of folklore, as well as being real historical figures. So. Folklore always has some element of truth to it. You know, the trick is to figure out how much. And I said, and the other trick is to not become part of the folklore yourself. In other words, stay objective. Don't become like Richard Shaver and say, I'm, you know, I'm all involved with these underground people, you know. And so what I see happening here is I see a bunch of people who claim that they know things. But they're inserting themselves deeply into the folklore, almost like they're characters in a role-playing game. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. You know, and that bothers me. Because you're not going to get to the truth with that kind of stuff. It's not going to happen. No, no. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> that's you know, and that is, you know, that's a very that's a very good way to put it. And you know, I never really thought about it that way before. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and I wonder, I mean, that probably hasn't occurred to a lot of people, though. You know, a lot of other researchers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who, who just go and just, uh, you know, they're sitting in front of their, uh, uh, their, their computer. They got Google up and they just, uh, you know, they'll just read anything that uh, plops into their lap and say, oh, yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, even if you're a researcher who has had anomalous experiences, you still have to, even if you talk about them or write about them, you still have to strive to be objective, even though it's, even though it's a subjective experience for you. It, when you interpret it and when you compare it to other things, you have to kind of remove yourself from it. And, you know what I mean? And look at the bigger picture and, and do a, a, a critical evaluation of whatever it is. You don't go diving into it and say, I'm the space, look at me, I, you know, really I was away working at a, uh, <laughs> at, at, at a, uh, some sort of camp for, 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 you know, for troubled youth, but I'll claim I was on Mars. Yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was locked up two years, but. You know, actually, I was in the secret space program. Well, no, it's more along the lines of, uh, uh, yeah, honey. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I wasn't, uh, um, I wasn't out visiting my other girlfriend. I was, I was on Mars. Yes, that's it. That's the ticket. <laughs> Mars. Yes, I got called to a secret space council meeting with the uh, with the Blubanubians because uh, they need they need bananas, and I was the only guy who knew how to pronounce banana in Blubanubian. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm going to make an awkward segue here because uh, it's 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 time that uh, that uh, we're going to have to take our break. But I want to uh, mention our guest for tonight, uh, who will join us uh, when we come back from our break. And uh, tonight we have Chester Moore, who is an award-winning writer, photographer, radio host, and conservationist. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of Texas. Fish and Game magazine, and he's won more than 100 awards for writing, photography, radio, and conservation. And uh, we're going to be talking with him tonight, uh, among other things. We're talking about uh, uh, monster hogs. Uh, I, I I don't know if you remember Mike, but probably a little bit more than five years ago, boy, the, the 
this the a, a photograph of somebody who who claimed that they had shot this this ginormous hog. Right, uh, yeah. Hogzilla, they called it. Yes, Hogzilla, Hogzilla, yeah. and, uh, and, and you know, and a lot of people had no idea, you know, that these feral pigs could actually get that big, and, and they could they could eat you. Oh, yeah, very, so. very easily, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, among other things, uh, we're going to talk about uh, monster hogs with Chester Moore tonight. So, I mean, this and is we might be- even talk about man bear pig. Yes, yes, definitely. We'll have to uh, uh, definitely bring that up. <laughs> Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a break then, Mike. And when we come back, uh, we will be talking to Chester Moore on the Outer Eds on the PSN Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back. I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. mrufo8 at hotmail.com. 
to find out what they don't want you to know. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz, only on PSN Radio. The Outer Edge. I'm Mike Mott here with Tim Schwartz, as usual, and we as are usual. Very, <laughs> as usual. We're very pleased to be joined by a very good uh, researcher, excellent researcher actually, uh, Chester Moore. He's a zoologist, a cryptozoologist, and uh, um, he really knows his stuff. Chester, it's good to have you on the show. It's great to be here, guys. Greetings from the Lone Star State. All right. Oh, thank you very much. And what's what's the weather like uh, right now there in uh, Texas? It's actually fairly cold, probably in the upper 30s right now, probably close to freezing tonight. So kind of a typical what it should be in January weather for us. I'm sorry to say, people in Texas don't panic when it uh, gets that cold? No, it has to get, if it gets to the 20s, we start freaking out a little bit. But, oh, okay. uh, you know, if it's freezing, we're pretty used to that. But anything below that, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been crazy because the crazy weather that you get over there ends up over here where I am in Mississippi. Well, I was in the mountains of northern California last week, and uh, it was definitely a lot colder up there. So nice to be back a little warmer abode. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, well, Chester, let's just uh, uh, let's just get right into it. You know, before before we actually we bring up the uh, the, the the subject of uh, of, of monster hogs, uh, why don't you tell our audience uh, uh, a little bit more uh, about yourself? I mean, uh, uh, how did you get uh, uh, get started in all this? Not just the monster hogs, but you know, just you know, just everything having to do with uh, you know animals and conservation and you know, and, and things like that. Uh, probably the broad statement is this is what God built me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was a little boy, uh, my dad took me fishing and hunting, and I immediately just fell in love with wildlife. Uh, I started watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom on television, and later on watched Jacques Cousteau and the other great explorers and was just intrigued. Uh, my first book I can remember ever having was a college zoology book we got at a garage sale from like 1920, uh, and I would learn to read that thing. I just have always been inspired by wildlife. I've always been interested in the mysteries of wildlife. 
And as I became a young man, I knew I had to have a career path, and I liked two things, music and the outdoors, and I was pretty good at writing at that time. And I said, well, you know what? It would be really cool to be able to take a love for writing and photography and that kind of stuff and be able to use it as a vehicle to go outdoors. So I chose the path of being an outdoors journalist, and I've been doing that for 23 years. So um, that's kind of the broad brush of uh, what got me here. Just I've always been interested in it. Mm. Well, I, I was looking at your website, and your your research seems more along the lines of a naturalist, more toward the naturalist side than the cryptozoological side. Even though I could see it I could have both. So, well, I have. I, I'm very interested in the Bigfoot thing as well. I've right. done a lot of that. I've been on National Geographic, Animal Planet, etc. But right. um, a lot of my research ends up being on what I call known cryptids, animals that may or may not still exist and may have had type specimens of or or that, because I happen to live in an area that has a lot of that activity, and it's kind of a natural do that here. Right. And, and so I guess you've, you're, you've worked or you've, you've talked about some of these monster hogs and things with uh, Lauren Coleman and Craig Woolheater, guys like that. Oh, yeah. I've known all those guys for 15 to 16 years. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, and it's... Uh, it's intriguing when you get in a group of people like with Lauren or Craig or someone like that who got a lot of contacts and then you start hearing all the accounts they have and it's always right. kind of inspires you to go back out and look for more, you know? Well, you know, these, these monster hogs, okay, I, to give you some background, when I was a, even a, a kid in the first to second grade and I lived in North Africa, I lived in Morocco at the time and, oh. the, yeah, the native, the, the, the native people there there were certain animals they would not touch or have anything to do with. Obviously, hogs were one of those animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, you know, big lizards they thought were gin, and they wouldn't touch them and things like that. But we, my dad would go on these big, he would get these, he would hire these Arab guys. He, actually, they were, they were Berbers. You know, they were uh, basically mm-hmm. Berber people. He would hire them to take him hog hunting. Him and his buddies. So they would be kind of like the guides, but they wouldn't touch anything or get involved, you know. Mm-hmm. They were kind of fascinated, though, to watch these crazy uh, Americans messing with these giant, unclean beasts. It's like, what are these idiots doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I can remember, you know, being, you know, being in the I think that looks all the time, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But I, I can remember seeing the, the, him killing these, these gigantic boar. I mean, just huge. He would kill these things. And... Um, then he take them back to their to the camp, and they of course they would gut them and clean them and everything right there, which was horrendously smelly. Believe me, oh. you probably know how wild hog smells. But anyway, then when, later on growing up, he and I would go boar hunting in Florida when we lived in Florida mm-hmm. uh, with some of the uh, game preserves down there close to Jacksonville, um, in, inland a little bit from there. But these things are very dangerous. I mean, they they will literally eat somebody alive. And poop you out. I mean, they are they are uh, not cute little piggies, are they? No, you know, it's an interesting thing about hogs. I've hunted hogs, I've caught hogs, I've photographed them, I've been around them um, for my whole life. And um, yeah. they are uh, a potentially dangerous animal. You know, the feral hogs are not indigenous to the United States of America. They were first right. brought here by the Spaniards, and they were first released in Florida and Texas where the Spaniards came. Um, as a potential food source. They didn't know what they were going to find here, so they brought hogs with them. And then later on, when we had domesticated, you know, we settled America, and you they had domesticated hogs, some of those escaped, and you had those hogs factoring in. Then you had hunting preserves, I believe the first ones were in the Smoky Mountains, 
you're probably in Central Texas bringing pure, wild Eurasian boar. So those are the three factors that factor into the hogs that we have here in North America. Right. They, 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 uh, they definitely are not something that you want to go out and try to feed a carrot to. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been chased up a tree a time or two, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> by, by hogs, and uh, typically what they'll do is they'll run by and hook, try to get you one one good jab. But uh, I've seen video, and I've talked I, I, I talked to a guy I hunted with a guy once who had 185 stitches from a hog who didn't just hook and go by; it kept on him. So right. um, it, you know they're dangerous, but it's not like on some of the TV shows I see where you'll be like. They'll show like a lady's trailer house in Texas, and she'd be like, Glinda has been trapped in her house for six months because <laughs> Carol Hogs are stalking her. You know, you know, it's not like that, but it's, but, well, I'll there tell was, you what, you'd rather, you'd rather walk away from a hog than have to face him down. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, because they come in low, and then they, they'll take out your legs, they'll try to take out your femoral artery, your, your genitals, your lower, yeah. they know, they know what they're doing. When they decide yeah, to go bad, man. I got a friend of mine who has a um, a boar named Pappy, and he's a pure Russian boar, a Europe Eurasian boar, um, yeah. and he's domesticated, been raised in a bottle. And I got you know video of me feeding him by hand, all this kind of stuff. He's domesticated; they're a super smart animal. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine killed a turkey on his ranch, hmm. and um, so he cleaned the turkey and threw the you know the, the all you get off the turkey is the breast, right? Basically. Right. Threw the rest over in the bushes. Well, I went over there the next day, and the hog is over there eating the whole thing. It was eating the bones. It was eating feet. It didn't, it didn't matter. You yeah. know, anybody who's seen Hannibal uh, knows what a hog can do. Uh, right. And so they are a potentially dangerous animal, and I have been intrigued by reports in my own encounters with monster-sized hogs. Right. Right. Like, like kind of like uh, the Hogzilla deal. Yeah, Hogzilla is what really got it going uh, really big in the media. I guess it's probably been close to a decade ago when a kid in, somebody in Georgia shot a hog that was allegedly a 1,000 pounds or whatever it happened to weigh. And then about, I don't know, a year later, this kid shoots one called Monster Pig. They named it, but it was actually it was a domestic pig released onto a hunting ranch a day before a kid shot it. You know, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, and that's really, just, there's a couple of interesting avenues on this monster hog idea is that what are the sources of these extra big beasts that are out there? I think the number one is domestic strain of hog. Um, a hog has been wild for a long time. It comes from a wild lineage. Very rarely gets over 300 pounds. Yeah, they're it very happens. lean. They're very lean. They're lean. They're built for, but if you have one that's maybe... Um, uh, uh, Gurok, which is a huge reddish colored uh, breed, um, this domestic can get up to a thousand pounds. Uh, if you've had one of them that escapes, or, uh, Hampshire, one of these other breeds, and they look, they, all, their hair will grow longer when they go out in the wild, the tusks will grow quickly, um, they'll adapt really quickly. That, I believe, is the case of most of these giant beast reports, or those like that. Now, it doesn't make that hog any less dangerous. Right. Or fascinating, but it's not like it just popped up out of the wild. And I guess uh, you could also point, have, couldn't you have like some, hy- some hybrid, like uh, hybrid vigor almost going on between different breeds that breed together? Oh, they'll breed anything, man. They're they're completely, yeah. um, they're in anything that walks out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm probably going to try to breed deer. Uh, 
they'll they'll bring anything, and um, so they'll bring with the domestic stock. As a matter of fact, back in the late 1990s, there was a really big push for potbelly pigs as pets, and then people realized potbelly pigs didn't just grow 15, 20 pounds; they grew to 200 pounds. And yeah. so I was going into a hunting lease that I was on on this. It was a dirt road, it was a long dirt road in Newton County, Texas, in the swamps, and I saw. And I have a picture of this somewhere, like six or seven baby pot bellies. We're not real babies. They, they can make it on their own. They were young pot bellies running around the ditch. So I jump out and get photos of them. Well, I heard that someone had released quite a few off a of ranch because there was no money out. Well, about three years later, on my game cameras in the same area, I started getting feral hawk photos that had the sloping belly of a pot belly. Right. Well, they were breeding the populace, you know. Oh, so my. It definitely could have, like, a Duroc or one of these big breeds come in and breed with a regular feral hog, and it produces a mutant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that generally will, not not generally, but often, that can produce a larger, stronger uh, specimen when when uh, related yeah. groups that aren't exactly the same intermediate. It can get really interesting. You know, I'm the editor-in-chief of Texas Fish and Game magazine, and we're doing this project for the next three months where – soliciting photos of giant hogs and all that. And um, we have them in a bunch of my, my website, monsterhogs.com. Uh, but we have a bunch of this stuff from our Facebook audience. And we have seen some just absolute monster pigs. And the thing is, there's so little research on what's really going on out there in the wild hogs. Almost every bit of research on hogs how to get rid of them. Um, there's nothing going on with the feral hog in America on growth rates genetics, that kind of, it's all about how to get rid of them because they're so stinking problematic for agriculture, you know? Right. Uh, and golf courses. I always like the image of some, you know, smoothy guy on the golf course, uh, you know, saying, hey, Jesus, bring me my, bring me my whiskey before I do the shot, right? This, this <laughs> rich smoothie guy, they're like a thousand pound Russian boar running on the golf course eating his golf ball or something, you know? <laughs> you know, because I get far rooting up the green, you know? Yeah, that's right. Well, I, that's, I get calls from golf course people every once in a while and say, hey, what can we do? The hogs showed up, and yesterday they rooted up, you know, hole number seven. I'm like, well, by <laughs> next week it'll be the whole course. So have fun with it, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean. There's no research, man. It's, it's kind of, that's what we're trying to break the ground on is learn more because I think any animal that lives in our environment, we should learn what we can. And feral hawks is something we have to encounter. And well, so like you said, too, they're, in the very, they're very intelligent. I mean, oh. they're, they're smarter than dogs. Oh, yeah. So say something. It, it, the smartest yeah, it, game animal for to yeah. hunt in North America by a long shot oh, is yeah. a feral hog. And, the, and here's the thing, though. There are so many of them. And the young ones aren't that sharp, okay? So people get the illusion. They throw some corn out. They go into an area a few days later, hogs in the condition they come, they come out and they kill a few hogs. Oh, that was easy. Yeah, that was young hogs. You get a big one, and you're going to face the smartest animal that there is to face in North America. And one of my things is, as an outdoor communicator, editor-in-chief of Texas Fishing Game, I want people to know when they go into the woods what they're facing. And we have an illustration at monsterhogs.com of a average size adult black bear, which is 300 pounds, an average size adult grizzly, which is 600 pounds, and what a 400-pound hog would look like. Now, 400 pounds is huge, but it's that that's fairly common. I mean, we see pictures come in every year of legitimate 400-pound hogs, right? Then you start thinking about these six, seven, eight 800,000-pound 
specimens that are out there, you're looking at something the size of a grizzly. It's as fast as a grizzly and could do as much damage. So it's important to let people know what's out there, not to scare them, but to make them aware of what's going on. You know, if they right. go out in the woods, they see a big old hawk. And, and another thing is, a lot of these hawks aren't black. Uh, feral right. hawks can be white. They can be a white and black. That's a common mixture of red. So if someone goes out in the park and, you know, outside of Dallas somewhere and with, with their family for a picnic and they see this giant hog walking up, look at this white, it's probably not babe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Be careful because babes may eat your family, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a guy here in Mississippi who was hunting, this was just a couple years ago, over near Jackson, um, not very mm-hmm. far from the state capitol, and mm-hmm. he was deer hunting, and he was attacked by, by a, a huge feral hog, and it just about killed him. And he managed to, he kept coming back, like you were talking about earlier, and it took his leg out pretty bad. And he farted off, and somehow, I can't remember how, but he, he got away and had crawled and, and finally got somebody's attention, and they, they got him. But they said, you know, had they not found him, that hog would have come back and probably would have eaten him. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that um, uh, hog attacks are rare compared to the number of hogs that are out there. There are about 3 million feral hogs in Texas. That's a lot of pigs. Fairly rare attacks. But the thing is the savagery of a hog attack is pretty intense. Um, you have two different kind of attacks, really. You have uh, the more common would be a territorial boar, a large boar who wants you out of his territory, right? Yeah. But to me, the most dangerous attack is a sow with piglets. Mm-hmm. Um, he will absolutely eat you alive. Uh, all the guys I know that go out and catch hogs with dogs and trap hogs or move them and stuff professionally are... Yeah way cautious of the sow with piglets and uh, I've seen examples of myself in the wild but these sows which can get huge um, do a whole lot of damage so you got two different variants of that and the bad thing is if that hog happens to think hey that blood tasted good they may just decide to eat you so yeah. they're a fascinating animal and there's something that you know if the mainstream media talks about they always get it wrong you know they always either make it politically correct you know, like, it's not the grizzly's fault that he ain't the three-year-old. It's the three-year-old's fault for playing in the backyard. That kind of garbage, you know? Yeah, or, yeah, that is, gar- that is garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I hate when I see that. I'm like, look, I love animals, but if I have a grizzly come in my yard, I don't care if it's a freaking endangered species coming to eat my kid. He's going to die. There was a recent but, thing but where at the same somebody... time, you don't want to be so stupid as to put things like I've seen on the other side, like, Right. You, you have don't to be encourage. one with the bear. And so you have some guy going up into grizzly country who has no idea what he's doing, but he saw some guy name? on TV Timothy, trying to uh, What was that guy's name? Timothy. Yeah. The grizzly man. The guy that ended up yeah. in a. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, being yeah. rushed. Yeah. And it was amazing because he lived that long. You know? He's like, you're dealing with slap those grizzly bears on the nose. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, I've worked with trained black bears before, you know, and they're trained for a response. You can expect something for a, a response, and you look at the power, and you're going, man, we think of a grizzly, you're thinking two or three times the power. And when you go to these monster hogs, you're talking about an animal that is just, uh, there's a video floating around somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it's on YouTube or anything yet. It's in our archives of me trying to hold about a 50-pound feral hog, a friend of mine caught in a trap, hmm. okay? Yeah. And I'm holding him doing this promo. And this 50-pound hog, and I'm a pretty strong guy, 
uh, I almost can't do anything with him. He's just sitting there mad at me. He's like, dude, I'm going to grow up and come kill you. You know? Uh, <laughs> he's like, dude, I don't like you. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to stalk you. You know? And I'm like, okay, pal. I'm, I'm, my buddy Gerald's about to make you bacon, so I'm not worried about that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the fact is, they're so strong, you know? And we got to respect that. These are strong, um, dangerous animals. Uh, and they, uh, they're here and we can do nothing. The genie is so far out of the bottle. We'll never do anything about it. They're here, you know? Yeah, they're here and they're, and there's more and more of them all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They breed like feral hogs, you know? They- <laughs> <laughs> but you remember a few years back and about a few years, probably more like 20 years back, there was a movie that came out called Razorback. Do you remember that? Oh, dude, I love Razorback, yeah. man. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I a kid, a kid from East Texas in the 80s seeing Razorback. I'm thinking, I'm going to get my bow and going to Australia. And I'm going to go yeah. hunt Razorback. <laughs> and, you know, and, they're like, and they're here, you know. They're, they're just, they're probably bigger here than they are there. And Yeah, that's the truth. There's a guy, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there's a guy on Facebook who I made friends with at some point because he was trying to raise money and get promotion for his movie. He's in Australia too, and he's making another uh, giant pig monster movie, or giant monster pig movie, or whatever. Um, but uh, it, there's a fascination there for sure. You know, if you go back yeah, no to history, oh yeah, you go back and look at like, you know, the ancient Celtic uh, warriors, their helmets had big bronze, uh, 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 Hogs, you know, yep. razorbacks on top of their helmets, you know, on the ridge of the helmet, and uh, boar tusks on them and on the helmets. And I mean, they've always been sort of a, a people have been in awe of, of these. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I think so. Especially you got to think of before the time of the firearm in particular. You're looking at an animal that was extremely difficult to kill, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that was super smart, but was also a good food source. You know, this pork's really good. And wild pork, believe it or not, slower and fat and cholesterol than, than chicken and lean cuts. Yeah. So it was it's yeah. a good food source. And these guys having to go out and do this, I mean, I remember reading about Zulu warriors or something had to kill a lion to be a man. They're going to be a gardener. I'm like, kill a lion with a spear. I'm like, sign me up for the broccoli, you know, the broccoli thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, well, they were, you, you know, they were, about well, these they, guys having to go challenge these Eurasian boars. And that's exactly. the other thing I want to talk about is the closer you get to pure Eurasian boar, um, also called Russian boar, um, genetics. So, like, if you go to France or Germany where there's a lot of these Eurasian boars, yeah. those animals are more aggressive than the typical feral hawk. And see, that's and the worst thing that is, my dad used to hunt, and he used to take yep. me hunting. Uh, yeah, and Russian all that. Yeah, well, yeah, not just real, that, but in Florida. The ones in Florida are, are, are Russian boar. There's a lot of that genetic there because they were stocked there, you know, uh, and they and they integrate in the population. But whenever that gene rises up, I'm telling you, every hog hunter, every outfitter, every trapper that I've ever talked to says the closer they get to that, the more dangerous they get. And I have a book called Hog Wild about hogs. It's the Texas Fishing Game. Get it at fishgame.com. That book, I have a section about hog attacks. And what was mind-boggling to me were the attacks that happened in Germany and France and different parts of, of Europe. There were two accounts of hogs busting into people's houses and attacking them in Germany. Wow. So, like, uh, people, have, people leave their doors open a lot there, you know. It's certain, they don't have air conditioners a lot over there. You know, they may have a heater. They don't have a lot of A.C. And, you know, so, and like a hog walked in and attacked dude on his couch. And there's a video on YouTube in China... Of a, of a government business surveillance cam where a hog walks in during a busy city and starts attacking the person there. So uh, those are Eurasian boars, and they get definitely 
more aggressive. I mean, that's probably uh, what all hogs originated from was the Eurasian right. boar. So it's it's the right. source gene. It's the perfect hog. And when the perfect right. hog decides it's going to do something, not a whole lot you can do about it. Mm. Well, just think about the, the, that aggression then combined with some hybridized size, you know, that makes sure. it even bigger. You got you got yeah, a problem. I've seen some pigs. I've seen pigs. I mean, uh, it's hard because of uh, you never know, and you know, what you saw the truth on size and things like that. But uh, I know in my own time in the field, I've probably seen ten thousand hogs in the wild of my life. I mean, literally, probably ten thousand hogs. I've yeah. seen two. I know would go over five hundred for sure. Hmm. Uh, that were free ranging wild hogs. I've been on high fence ranches where I've seen bigger ones, but those had domestic in them. I know they did. Uh, uh, but the, the, the big ones that I saw uh, looked more like a typical feral hog, but they had some of the little bit of Russian in them. But I have been down in South Texas where I saw some guys that had just caught a hog about 350 pounds. It was pure Eurasia, and it was, it was crazy. And that's the thing. A lot of the guys, because people don't realize there is a market for the meat. A big market. They sell the meat to Europe. Hmm. Um, wow. So hog meat, well, there are places that go around USDA license to buy hog meat. They sell them on the hoof. They have a formula for how much there's meat and all that stuff. And they sell them. So there are guys, instead of going out and killing them, they're catching them and bringing them into slaughter facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'm on, I'm on my old deer lease. Uh, this is about 10 years ago. And we had a check-in station. I was checking in at about 10 a.m., because I was going to hunt all day until, until dark. I'm checking, and these guys pull up in a truck. And I look on the front of the cattle garden's truck. It's about a 250-pound boar bungee corded to the front of the truck. Mm. Now, I'm looking at this, and i got to check this hog. i bet you a big old hog. Well, I walk up to the hog, and it starts squealing. <laughs> it's alive. Oh, man. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not sure what's more redneck. Bungee cording a hog to the front of your truck or having that many bungee cords. Uh, <laughs> and I look at this thing, and they go, well, you think that's bad? We handcuffed him, too. And the hog had handcuffs on him. <laughs> it's a true story, man. And that was, when, during that, peri- that was during that period when they started catching hogs and selling them to this market. So that's a positive because it takes some of those hogs out of the wild Gives a yeah. financial reason to go out and take them out and help balance things out a little bit, but uh, so were they, they are, gonna, were they going to transport it alive to its final destination? They, typically, what these guys do, they'll have a holding pen, they'll feed them up a little bit of corn, then they'll just they'll catch a bunch over a couple of weeks and then ship them somewhere. You know what I mean? But uh, out of and they'll oh, alive. I, yeah, alive. Oh yeah, they'll put several full of these alive. Yes. Hmm. So they're like re- maybe restocking some forest in Germany or something, some honey. Pre- no, <laughs> restocking some smoothie restaurant in France, yeah. or you know, but, maybe they should, so like, France has a see. perfect source of Eurasian world. They have to import yeah. American stuff. That's about right. I'd like to, I'd like to see one of these hogs set loose in a snooty restaurant in France. <laughs> that would I would pay big bucks to see that. Actually, you know. <laughs> We would like, I would like to find the biggest Hogzilla-type specimen possible and just let it loose somewhere, maybe in the Louvre. And let it <laughs> Some, <laughs> yeah. Someplace that serves, that serves truffles, just to get them really excited. Put a GoPro camera on it and just let it go, and you'd have your own reality show there for a few minutes, you know. 
because in Texas, oh, that even better than that. Here, here you go for not being politically correct. Take him to like the part of France where you know, if if you're not Muslim, you're not allowed to go, and just you know, set him loose there. Well, I'll, I'll let you deal with that. I'm still yeah. on my uh, <laughs> I'm still on my Louvre thing. But what I'm thinking is in Texas. That whole deal would last about 30 seconds until my proper 44 Magnum is shot in the head. Oh, yeah. France, it would take him two weeks to figure out how to respond to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, oh, Lord have mercy. But it's fun. And that's the thing. This is a fun conversation. But hogs, I think people are excited about it because it's fun. It's, it's exciting. It's something different for America. Most people never are in a range where they encounter a truly dangerous bear like a grizzly. But right. Everyone in the South and most people on the Eastern Seaboard, or even people in California, are in hog range. So that means if you hike, if you mountain bike, you fish, if you hunt, you might encounter a hog. So that's why this conversation is important, you know? Well, it is important because they need to know how to protect themselves. For instance, climb a tree quickly. If you can't climb a tree, know that this thing is going to go for your legs. Yeah, you know, the best thing to do is to see a hog and just simply leave them alone. Most of the time, they're not going to mess with you. But people who don't mess with them, you know, because hogs don't have the best vision in the world. So you can approach them sometimes fairly close, right? If the wind's not in the blowing to them and blowing your scent to them. But um, I'll tell you what happens is people just mess around and they'll be like, hey, look at the cute at the cell hole. Let's go take our selfie with it, you know? And uh, and then something. Now, if I do that for my TV stuff I do, that's one thing. I know what I'm getting into, you know? Uh, but for somebody who just watched Babe or uh, yeah. thinks that they're going to be the next animal plant star via their iPhone, um, they need to be very careful. And, and, that, and, that, and another thing is if you go into an area and you, and you smell that thick hog smell, yeah. Uh, or if you see a lot of root, fresh rooting, or you see a fresh wallow, if you have an, if you, if you're not armed, if you maybe have your family with you, you might want to take another trail. Just get out of that one area. That's just a smart way to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Certainly right. never well, go up and never on your property unless you, unless you're unless you're feeding them to shoot them or catch them. If it's legal in your area to hunt them, never ever ever feed hogs. Don't don't get them coming up to your house. You know? Right. You may, well, that's cool to watch the hog because you might leave your door open one day and the hog's on the house, you know. Plus, if you have domestic stock, there are diseases that hogs can spread, and you don't want any part of that around your other animals. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I remember I had, a, I had a friend who was a professor, a really good guy. Actually, he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and years later, I knew him and his wife again after I had moved back to that particular university town. And, and uh when we when, when I went to see him again, they had a they had a pig in the house mm-hmm. because their daughter was living with them and she had a pot belly pig. Mm-hmm. Well, this pot belly pig got to where he was three and a half feet tall and aggressive, and she wanted him to have the run of the house. He thought he he thought that house was his, mm-hmm. and they had to warn me at dinner. Watch out because he would get under the table and he might try to bite my leg. And I said, if he bites my leg, he's bacon. <laughs> and and the, the 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 guy's wife did not like the pig because the pig would intentionally stalk her around the house and sneak up behind her and nip her. And I told my friend, I said, I said that wouldn't happen, but one time. 
And that pig would go to slaughterhouse. Yeah, but my daughter would get upset. I'd be like, your daughter's going to have bacon and ham and pork chops next week. You know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, I, I just couldn't deal with that situation. I'm thinking, you know, that's not an animal you need to have running around the house. <laughs> well, you know, actually, Pop Billy's and all that can make a good pet. He just got probably not 300 pounder in the house, though. You know? It was a big, uh, it was a big one. As we like yeah, to say, you keep him outside. 300 pounder, you need to keep him outside. And oh, they yeah. can be good pets. They, uh, you know, they make, hogs are smart. He's got a bottle raise them and, and, uh, but they're probably not the pet you want to open the door when the pizza guy comes up, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, here's Fluffy, my 500 pound Russian boar. Like his tusk. I don't think that'd be too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, they, uh, I, I have a feeling that this, this particular pig probably, um, saw the other woman as a, uh, Sort of a, a dominant threat to its to the girl that had raised it or whatever, and brought it. To, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what what a pig thinks? You know, but uh, yeah, that's not they, good. They, that they nasty, yeah, they got a nasty bite. Mm, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, people don't realize that. I mean, even you know the the domestic farm raised pigs, unless you know, like you said, Chester, unless they've been you know bottle fed right from the very beginning, are extremely dangerous animals. And then when you go and throw in the the, the feral factor, uh, I mean, you know, they're 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 deadly now see i grew up in uh, north central indiana and that's uh, you know that's that's pig country up there and uh, you know lots of uh, lots of duracs and uh, you know american yorksers and uh, uh, a girl i dated in high school for years i mean her her family raised uh, uh, pigs and uh, for a number of years they always brought in at the state fair you know, like the uh, the award winning, you know, biggest biggest pig oh, yeah. in the state, you know, contest. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I mean, the uh, uh, you know, Babe, I can't remember what his name was now, but uh, you know, Babe uh, and Babe One and Babe Two. I mean, they were always you know from the, <laughs> the the same generation. They were huge pigs, but the difference though between them and these giant feral pigs is that these fat domestic ones could barely move. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They they're spent most of their. It's like, look, matter of fact, I'm going to film with an 1,100 pound black boar <laughs> here in Massachusetts uh, for our new TV. Our new, uh, we have a Roku channel called Kingdom Zoo for our Roku uh, segment, Kingdom Zoo Discovering Wildlife, and um, we're going to show what a domestic one that size would look like. And I'm going to get in there with it, and uh, I don't think it'll be fast enough to catch me. Don't come after me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, only maybe if you had something for him to eat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a bribe. Yeah. I'm always bribe animals like that, you know. <laughs> well, now, what's uh, uh, what's the range in the United States for for feral pigs? I mean, is there uh, is there any place that uh, you, I mean, you know, where can you find them? Where can't you find them? <laughs> well, you know, feral hogs are, are the, the the states with the sickest populations are Texas and. Um, Florida, but they're found all along the Gulf Coast. Um, they're found in California. Uh, they are found um, all throughout the eastern seaboard up into New York now uh, that I'm aware of, the Smoky Mountain region, the Ozarks, uh, up into Michigan, uh, pretty much the eastern half of the country mm-hmm. with uh, kind of spotty populations out west, except California, 
which they were stocked years ago, and there's a pretty healthy population of them over there. So the most populated areas of the country all have, you know, the feral hog populations around them. Mm. I, here, in, here in southern Indiana, um, we've got a pretty sizable um, population of uh, of feral hogs, and they uh, um, they're I, I, I tell you something they're uh, uh, they're horrible when they get into say like a farmer's field, and yeah. I mean they'll just they'll just decimate you know like corn cornfield soybeans something like that you know but uh, yeah. fortunately around here they they pretty much tend to keep to themselves I mean I can't I can't remember a time recently when there's been any problems with people getting attacked for them. About 10 years ago there was a spate of activity down near the Ohio River where uh, where people were, were, were getting bit. But that was only because they'd run across them in the woods and like you said they'd be oh look at the sweet little piggies and then the next thing you know you know, <laughs> you know they're, they're having to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> yeah well you know People just don't know, and that's one of the things is, like, all, all the wildlife things I'm doing, I'm doing some daring things on camera, but I'm never the guy that's trying to test the animal. I'm never the guy that has, like, the tober in front of me. He's putting my hand as close as I can and get struck, you know? <laughs> I try to do things because people want to see human interaction, but at the same time, I don't want to do things that are, like, daredevil stunts. I'm not the guys on jackass, you know what I mean? I'm trying to make it educational. But I do have an encounter that was, I was actually charged by a boar in my own home. Mm. Jeff Fox would really joke, go ahead and insert it. If you've been charged by a boar in your own home, you might be a redneck. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so we had a baby wild boar a guy brought me, okay? Uh, and I was going to feel beautiful because a lot of the baby boars are reddish and they have blonde stripes or white stripes. Beautiful when they're born. Uh, high Eurasian boar genetics. So we had it at the house. And I had it running around for a few minutes one time, and I'm sitting there in the kitchen, and it runs across the room, full blast, and this thing already had about a quarter-inch tusk, okay? Mm. And the sucker come by and hooked me. Yeah. It ran right at me and hooked me, and I'm like, wow. Dude, I'm glad I can be around you when you're 200 pounds. You know, exactly. Way that's, like, what, that's what they do to people in the wild when they do attack. They, mm. they, they, they know instinctively to try to take out like your femoral artery by doing that. They'll come right in. down there, baby. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, thank God Jeff Fox is not here. I'll be in his next special, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we filmed that beautiful little hog, and we got to we got to show it running around and did footage with it. So um, they're fascinating animals. I mean, they get so much grief because of the damage they do. I mean, they they, they can't help that. They are super successful, uber smart, can grow to big proportions. And one of the things that's been overlooked is the fact that the biggest hogs in the wild are found around grain. Mm, If you find people with rice fields, Mm -hmm. corn fields, any kind of grain, they are massively bigger. I would say uh, most of the big hogs we get sent to us at Texas Fish and Game uh, magazine uh, are, are the really giant ones come from around grain fields. And, uh, I mean, just some massive, massive hogs. So, um, and if you look in some of these areas, if you want to look for big hogs, grain is a great connection. They're not stupid. They like to be where the food is. And anytime they get on that grain, it's like being on a high-carb diet. You're going to get big. Right. Well, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of, like I was looking at your at your website, but I've heard a lot of stories, too, about people who, have problems with feral hogs coming into their deer feeders 
and eating all the, the corn that they put out. Oh, yeah, so, they'll knock the feeder over. They'll uh, do all kinds of, there's a picture on there of one knocking at a, and hitting a feeder. Uh, and they're, they're, they're smart, and uh, it's fun to come talk about this on your program because if a subject doesn't get talked a lot in kind of the crypto circles, let me tell you something. If you're out in the woods and you encounter a legitimate six, 700-pound hog at point-blank range, you'd probably rather it be a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so they are, there are monsters. Monsters are real, and monsters are um, feral hogs in North America. Well, that's. I wanted to ask you the uh, the pictures that you have on your website of the uh, a lot of them. You've got like you know uh, these 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 giant hogs around the feeders. Uh, yeah. How how big are these feeders? I mean, what's uh, what what kind of proportion are we looking at here? Because I mean, you know, you you see these hogs, and it's you know, it's it's kind of difficult to tell how big yeah. they are. So I mean, the the feeders. Well, I'll give you an example. Okay, go ahead. There's a photo on there of a hog. And there's a bunch of hogs around. It's a broad daylight shot and flat-footed, sticking his nose up to the bottom of a timer of a feeder. Right. Okay? The black hog. The hunter who sent me this picture told me the base of that feeder is five feet six inches. Wow. So that hog is sticking his nose up only a couple inches shots, but five foot six inches flat-footed on the ground. Right. That is a big, big, big hog. Yeah, that's oh, a pretty big hog. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and there's another one of a red one in here. And what I was told, that feeder was about three feet tall. So the, the, literally the hog is, who's behind the feeder is taller than the feeder, the, ba- the base of the feeder. So uh, we're talking, anytime you get a three-foot-tall hog plus, we're talking about an animal that's only 400 pounds. So, you know, a really big animal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know these uh, uh, these animals. Then I mean, you know, especially especially these giant hogs. They must be really good at keeping themselves hidden, uh, because considering the size of these monsters, uh, with the exception of some of these game photos, you really just don't hear that much about them. No, and, and one of the things is uh, is they are super good at being at remaining hidden, and they become almost completely nocturnal. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that takes people out of the equation a lot. Uh, they are very elusive. They'll live in the most remote part of an area uh, where people, they, they will literally, if you can take the line where the people travel the most, the hogs will be where they travel the least, a really big one. So the big ones have all the right factors, the right genetics, the right smarts, and they know where to stay away from people. And yeah. uh, there are some just, I mean, mutant size hogs out there, and if you go to monsterhogs.com, you'll check them out, or check us again on Facebook, because we're going to be giving away a hog necklace, some really cool hog necklaces over the next six weeks, uh, some pendants that I got, because people are really getting behind this hog deal, but you got to think about this, if you're a five, six hundred pound animal, you got to eat a lot, right? Yeah. So these animals know all the right food sources, but they're able to, and the only reason you're seeing because game cameras are going out and getting them, and they're baiting them. And they're coming out at night when people aren't in the woods, and then once people are killing, are often killed by hunting with dogs, which are tracking them. Or some of them are caught in traps and stuff. So they're not easy. If somebody would just say, okay, I'm going to go set up in the woods in Ohio somewhere or in Florida, and I'm going to go on a trail where I've seen hogs, and I'm going to try to kill me a 500-pound hog, right? Well, I'm probably well, going to be there 10 years later and never see the hog. That's right. And people need to remember that 
they may not know this, but hogs are omnivorous, which means they yep. eat anything, basically. Sure. So anything in the area, anywhere where there's like plenty of stuff to eat, it doesn't really matter what it is. If you live in an area where you've got any kind of game, any kind of yep. food material growing in the wild, they're going to eat it. And, you know, I, yeah, I know that you know It doesn't the matter. They'll eat earthworms. They'll, they'll eat, eat rattlesnakes. Uh, yeah. Rattlesnakes. They'll eat cattle. They'll eat roadkill. They'll eat anything, and literally anything, and that's why they can survive, and that's why you can't do anything about their populations other than basically try to keep them from growing in your area. You know, uh, I saw years ago, this is about 20 years ago, I was in South Texas, and I was with some guys. They had Kevlar vests on their hog hunting dogs. And I watched about a 300-pounder stop in the middle of a field to fight these dogs. Mm. And he took and he hooked one in the belly, but it had the Kevlar vest on, so it didn't hurt it. Yeah, yeah. But he threw it over his back about three feet in the air. That's the strength you're dealing with. Yeah. Now, people that use bulldogs, I know. I, I know some people who actually train uh, bulldogs to hunt yeah. hogs. Mm-hmm. To me, that's amazing. They used to use them to to actually hunt and pull down and control bulls, which is why they're called bulldogs. And that's why the pit bull and, and the different bulldogs. I'm like, look, those dogs aren't those dogs are not getting out their marbles because they were originally bred to grab a bull by the nose out of line, which yeah. is why they're perfect for hogs. Now they're more often used yeah. for hogs. Yeah. And um, what what happens is, can you imagine signing up for this? Okay, what do you get to? I get to go out and patrol the yard. What do you do? I get to go check, attack Russian boars. You know, it's like, how yeah, yeah. messed up is that? But they do. They go in, they're fearless dogs, and they grab them by the ear. And yeah. then um, a guy will come in, typically, they'll either kill the hog, but now they're basically catching them, flip the hog over, tie its legs, and bring it in. How many How many dogs do they usually put on a hog in that situation? You know, I've seen, uh, it depends. Uh, it depends on the hog. Usually they'll have what are called bay dogs, which are the dogs that actually trail the hog. They'll yeah. be like walker hounds or uh, maybe black mouth cur or something like that. Yeah. And then they'll have the cat dog on a leash, the pit or the the dodo argentino or maybe a maybe a really intense uh, black mouth cur. And then when they get within male to see the hog, then they let the cat dog loose do its work. And they catch it, then they go in and, and do their work. And um, that's why so, there's so, a cat some of these big ones. So the, so the cat dog basically can keep it subdued long enough for them to to, to subdue the hog and tie it up. That's that's the ticket right there, yeah. So wow. uh, it's the only really, honestly, you know, there are. It's not the it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but for for the guys who are like, when you have a hog come into an urban area, when you have like an urban area and you have like maybe a five hundred acre park on the edge of a city, and they're just wiping all the the habitat out, uh, yeah. they come so smart they'll stop coming to traps. The only way to deal with them sometimes the dogs. Uh, so they'll bring the dogs out there, and in uh, the worst case scenario, is the dogs make them more skittish. So yeah. they'll back off from an area, stuff like that. Because the hogs are smart enough to know they're being pressured. They'll leave sometimes. Right. You know? well, well, have you ever heard anybody hunt, hunting hogs with Catahoula curs? Uh, yeah, actually, I have. I used to have. Wow. I, used to, I used to have a Catahoula actually. Yeah, uh, those are, those are hog dogs. Had a Catahoula growing up. Beautiful dogs. He had two glass yeah. eyes, by the way. Beautiful uh, blue glass eye. Super, and, super um, tough dogs. Yeah, I actually, on a ranch I used to go on, they had a cat who went in she- Sheila, and she was a hog hunt dog. Wow, that's cool. Yep. They're, they're, it's an interesting topic, and you're talking about the smartest animal in the woods. The only thing that might be anywhere near the intellect of a hog would be a coyote. Uh, 
and uh, they're just brilliant animals. They, they're, they're an incredible example of success in nature, and the fun factor. Well, that's not people, you know, when, when I talk about Bigfoot or Black Panthers or any of the interesting cryptid topics is, let's not, I mean, I'm serious about my research, but basically what we're doing, we're playing Scooby-Doo, okay? <laughs> we're playing Scooby-Doo, and we're going out here, and we're hunting monsters, right? Well, there are monsters. There are monster yep. hogs, and we don't have to worry about if it's a guy in a fursuit. Um, if you want to go pull on one and see if it's fake, you can do that. But uh, yeah. don't sign me up for that one. I'm going to go out there and try to photograph it or catch it or something. You know? Well, not just that, but you're talking about monsters. I mean, we've got alligators here in the South that literally are Jurassic monsters, and people don't even think of them like that. But they, they, they could, if, if somebody disappears and they're never seen again, there's a good chance that if, if the hogs didn't get them, most likely it was a big alligator. Now, I was in a, I was in a helicopter three years ago uh, and uh, flying over some wildlife property, and we were probably three miles from any stream or river, and there was a pond. And all, I have a picture of my computer. I'm looking at it right now. On this pond was about an 11-foot alligator that had to walk across about three miles of dry land to get where he was at. Right. And can you imagine being out walking out the woods, picking berries with your family, there's an 11-foot alligator in the middle of the woods? Uh, and, and you know, they, 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 they can run. They can run. Walk across dry land, yeah. you know? Well, they can run like 25 miles an hour when they get when they yeah, get short after. burst. Thank the Lord. Yeah, short, short burst. burst. Speed. Yeah. And they can't climb, so you're good on that. But uh, but they are, you know, they're they're an animal. Now, I was out uh, catching snakes when I do a lot of herpetology stuff, and uh, I was on this bridge. We go on this bridge, and I hear a bull alligator roar, that roaring sound. Oh, yeah, yeah I heard it many times. And it was a little bitty, but it's a little bitty bridge in the middle of nowhere, so we're having to crouch down to walk under, and I, and I, I just walked back. My buddy goes, you're not going? I said, no. I said, uh, so I'm crouched down, crawling. I'm about two and a half feet tall at this point. I'm almost on my hands and knees. And I'm going to be in front of him. Who knows how big that guy Just let him have that spot tonight, you know? That's part yeah. of being wise about nature. So I well, told him this. I said, I, I'd love to go to Africa. Let me tell you something. I'm not walking under any bridge in Africa at night because crocodiles mm-hmm. or Australia. Because if we had crocs here, we, there is the American crocodile in southern Florida, very, very rare. But yeah. uh, if there were as many crocs or alligator people, would be dying every week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I used to go back to the back of my dad's place, which has uh, that's like two hundred something acres, and there's a lot of swamp and thick forest and, and just really wild environment back there. And it's mm-hmm. now my brother's place, but I I used to go back there and, and fishing years ago, and I would hear because because I lived in Florida as a kid, mm-hmm. and I would hear the bull alligators. Hmm. You know, yep. you know that noise, that noise they make that. Sounds like a giant bullfrog, but it reverberates it th- through the woods like you know a bullfrog. Like a bullfrog, bullfrog on steroids, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean it's it's so loud. It's almost like a motor or engine or something. But I would hear these things hollering back there, you know. And uh, I come back and I tell my dad, I said, "You got some big alligators back there in the swamp." And, oh, bull! You know, there's no big alligators. There's no alligators. Blah blah. Well, a few years later, he had to call the game of fish because there was an 11 footer in his pond and he was on his tractor and this thing was following him around the pond like everywhere he would go this thing was like coming to the edge and following him around you know like it was watching everything you know so he called the game of fish guy they came to get it and we thought they were taking alive and now they said it was too big they couldn't take one that big alive they had to 
they had to kill it. But it well, was over. Not from around here. We got plenty of people that did like that a lot around here. Really? Yeah. He was, he was, uh, he was like 11 feet long, man. That's a big game. I've, I've been with a 10 and a, a 10 foot capsule before. That was kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. You know, you don't want to be the, you want to be the local game more than you've never seen an alligator before. And they'll catch you 11 footer. <laughs> well, yeah, it would, it would be interesting to see, uh, uh, an 11, 12 foot gator tie up with one of these monster hogs, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. It, uh, I know that gators will eat hogs. Uh, certainly the smaller hogs that come along the bank and that will be kind of a fantasy versus situation. You mentioned the, the vocalizations, you know. Um, one of the key things for you, any kind of research in mystery animals is knowing what's out there. Because I've had people yeah. send me alligator vocalizations they thought were Bigfoot. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, I, I believe Bigfoot's real. I'll prove it to myself years ago. But at the same time, that's an alligator. You know, yeah. you know. <laughs> or, or even even some of the noises that hogs make. And people, oh, oh people to think uh, hogs go oink oink or snort snort. No, no, no. no they make some crazy noises, man. They, yeah, they make some horrific <laughs> noises and screams. And yeah, if you don't know what they are, you'd think it was a monster. You know, oh, uh, sometimes it sounds like it's a house full of children being murdered. Yeah, it's hard to yeah, hear I mean, them scream, you know. <laughs> it, it seems like at nighttime, like I've been out at night before, and I had a bunch of hogs come in one, probably 30 of them at once. There was some, there was some grain put out, and which is legal here in Texas. And, um, man, it, they, they, they started selling off from about a quarter mile away. And they let they were making every noise known to me, and I'm thinking, if you met the poor camper that comes out and has from you know, New York City or somewhere, right? <laughs> no idea. And this walks through the campsite, you know? Yeah. They're gonna think it's they're gonna think it's dawn of the dead, you know? Well well even coyotes. The vocalizations of coyotes, you know, people have this vision of from the from the old T V shows of a coyote howling to the moon. That's not what a coyote sounds like at all. And when well, a bunch of them get together summer. Yeah, when a bunch of them get together I mean, it sounds almost like hyenas. It's it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's funny. Uh, there's a place of a Texas zoo here in Victoria. It's mainly Texas-based animals. They have two coyotes in a pit. And I got to watch them one day. One morning, the zoo first opened. They're sounding off. There were only two of them. And it sounded like there were ten of them. Uh, it was crazy the way that vocal sound. So you go out there, you hear a bug sounding off. It sounds like there's an army of coyotes coming in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and we have coyotes here. I know we have wild hogs in the state. We have everything. We have gators. We have big cats. Even the people deny it. I, I actually saw one. I guess it's been three years now. I saw one coming home one night from uh, uh, from uh, another city. Hey, Mike, was Mike. Let me, let me, Mike, let me have you hold that thought because uh, sure. uh, this is a good time for us to take a break, and then I want you to tell that sure. story when we come back from it because I want to get I want to get into that a little bit uh, yeah, uh, for the show. Yeah, yeah we've seen uh, here on the property too. So yeah, we've all right, seen well, panthers. Let's let's go ahead and take our break here. So uh, right now we are talking with uh, Chester Moore, talking about uh, we have been talking about monster hogs, uh, uh, getting some uh, uh, big cat sightings as well. You're listening to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
guy. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens Hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source on information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOStore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Only in the forest can you see this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. And you might just see this. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait. Mom, what? What? Hold What'd on. you say? Wait a second. What? Huh? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
back to the outer edge of the PSN radio network. I'm Tim Swartz. Of course, with me is my guest tonight is Chester Moore. We've been talking about uh, monster hogs so far uh, on this show, but uh, uh, there's there's some uh, other cryptids that uh, that you're interested in, Chester. And, and, and Mike, just before we went on our break, you started to tell us a story about some uh, uh, big cat encounters uh, that you've yeah. had. And, and I guess you've had a, a couple of them, huh? Well, yeah, there have been a lot of people you know, in Mississippi who have seen big cats for decades and decades, and uh-huh. I know a lot of these people. Uh, some of them are related to me. My brother saw one back when he was a young man. He was raising a calf. I think it was for like, a, I don't know if it was for like a 4-H thing or if he was just raising it as part of our beef cattle that we had at the time. But anyway, he went down to bottle feed this calf one night to the barn, and uh, he walked down there, and he had a flashlight because it was dark. And uh, he said this thing crossed the path in front of him, and it was, you know, like a leopard or jaguar-sized black cat. It was Hmm. absolutely huge. So he went back to the house and got a gun, and then went down there again. But it was down there close to where this, this calf was pinned up. Um, which is probably why it was there. And then about uh, three years ago, I was driving back from a, a nearby city about 20 miles away, and there's a cut through where they where they have cut the interstate highway, how Interstate 20, through some hills, and it's the shale and, and clay exposed where it cuts through these, these rolling hills. And I was driving along, and I had just come over a rise and was coming down the other side, and right there, crouched at the side of the road, was the largest cougar I have ever seen in my life. I mean, this thing's head was just huge. It, it astonished me. That's how big it was, okay? And I looked full at it for like, you know, like five or ten seconds, because the, it just it just froze. It literally in, in the headlights and it was just crashed there by the side of the road and my lights were reflected in his eyes and he was just staring right at the, at the vehicle and I just went on past you know I, mean, I, I was going too fast to stop anyway and uh, but yeah I mean they're, they are here and you know for years we've seen them and people have seen them and we used to hear them in the winter time we'd hear one come by and it started just like a, a just like a a, a, a panther out of a, a Tarzan movie you know from the old days but We've also heard them scream, and yes, they sound like women, you know. That's sort of a person screaming. Um, they have one around here they call the Stratton Booger, which is uh, in a nearby area. But, you know, there was a lady. This is something that fascinates me because I remember back in the in the 90s, and I, I used to have access to the actual news story, and I've looked to look for it now, and I can't find it anywhere after several system crashes. But there was a lady, when I was working at a city newspaper, and this story came across uh, the local news that this this woman lives in lived in a town called Stalo, Mississippi, which is about forty five miles north of here. And she, the, uh, somebody had reported her to Game and Fish, and they went out to her her home, and she had a double wide trailer. Now think about this: a big double wide trailer that was packed full of big cats. They were starving. Mm-hmm. She called herself a rescuer, and people would bring her their big cats when they couldn't take care of them anymore. They said she had lions, uh, leopards, cougars, all kinds of big cats. Oh, crammed, and, yeah, and they were like pitiful, like you know their their rib 
limbs were sticking out and everything. And so they gave him fish. I said, you can't have these animals. She said, well, I can't feed them anymore. They said, well, we're going to come get them. We're coming to get them, but you're going to have to give us time to get, you know, everything we need and find a place to put them. And we're going to come back and get them. They said she had 80-something 80, 80 cats in that trailer. Oh, my God. Yeah. she. They came back two days later. They couldn't get back for two days. When they got back, there were only like 17 of them left. They said, Where did the, where's the rest of them? She said, oh, I let them go. <laughs> so when you hear that, you talk about feral big, feral hogs. And then you think there could be a pride of lions or some mixed breed giant felines out there. You know, who knows what's out there? Well, you know, I'm, I'm highly suspicious of the big cat cuttings in America being released cats because I've worked around big cats yeah. a lot in captivity for 20 years. Um, and those cats would not make it in the wild. I only know of one story of a big cat that was that got loose ever making it long-term in the wild, and that was a tiger in Kansas. Right. Uh, and that's first-hand account from a uh, person I worked with. I think most of those cats end up in somebody's backyard eating feces of poodle, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But what's interesting is I, I get it's amazing. I'll have people email me, and they'll be like, or come up to me and go, man, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to tell me they saw some kind of alien gray Bigfoot hanging out with Elvis or something, you know? Uh, and they tell me, I saw a cougar in Tennessee. I'm like, why would I think you're crazy? Yeah, you see? Exactly. Um, because the first thing you got to do if you do this research is realize that the maps and the distribution of wildlife and official publications are all wrong. Okay? You've got to go back before the Endangered Species Act to look at real distribution of animals in America. If you look post-1973, after that, when the Endangered Species Act came and all the laws that come with it on shutting down timber actions and commercial activity, people are very cautious about where to draw a line and say this animal is. So you look at the cougar, Felix Concaller, also this Mount Lyme, Pima, Catamount, and a bunch of other names, is indigenous to all the lower 48 states. And a matter of fact, all in the Canada, all the way down to Argentina, so, for there to be cats never surprises me, but for some right. reason it surprises the fish and game departments. Uh, well, that's it. That they have a reward out. Uh, there's a guy named Paul Ott. You've probably heard of Paul Ott. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a wildlife guru in Mississippi, but he has an offer out. He says that they'll, he and the fishing game will pay $10,000 for, for evidence of a cougar presence. Well, I've seen a cougar, but I can't prove it because I didn't stop and, you know, uh, like a hair from his tail. Well, you better watch out because in Louisiana, the state has finally had to admit there are cats in Louisiana because yeah. game wardens had to kill one that was in a neighborhood, stuck up somebody's tree in Bozier City right outside of Freeport, and there was an official one. It's, it's, it's part of it is ignorance. The other part is arrogance. Yeah. Some of these folks, they're the wildlife expert. They read the right book. Well, they went to the right school, but they have one problem. They've never been out in the woods. Well, I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind having ten thousand dollars, but I really don't want to kill one unless it's self defense. Oh yeah, I'm like, dude, let me find, let me find a road kill, let me find a road kill. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, well, well not, and, and when you think about this, I mean, we've always had the tales here, and like I said, my brother has seen it, and I know other people mm-hmm. who've seen the big black ones. Now that's not a cougar, in my no, opinion. There's the problem. Jaguar. There's a, that's a, no, this, this a jaguar. Yeah, you're, it's interesting you said that because um, Felix Concala the cougar. 
the large cap that's indigenous to all over 48, all the way down to Argentina. Yeah. In the history of taxidermy, in the history of zoos, captive populations hunting, there has never been a melanistic or black specimen, period. No. Never. No. Because well, if you look at all the cats in the um, that are wild that produce melanism, none of them are plain-colored cats. They're all the spotted right. cats. But what's interesting is a jaguar is native to America, and I happen to have a distribution map from the 1940s showing jaguars reaching all the way into Mississippi. And jaguars produce melanistic offspring. On top of that, we we just learned recently through the group Panthera, not the metal band Panthera, the Panthera, the research group, that they've done a study in Central America that has proven that melanism, check this out, is dominant trait in jaguars. And when a, when a, when a dominant male comes in and starts breeding in a territory, the babies start coming out melanistic. So if you had a very low population because of hunting and things like that before there was any kind of regulations, and you had a few melanistic ones, they would all turn out melanistic. Well, when they first came, when settlers first came into, into this area, Mm-hmm. And see, uh, some of my family has been here since, since before 1812. So, but mm-hmm. when, when people first started coming in here, they encountered what they call panthers, painters, uh, yep. you know, uh, all this stuff. And they were, uh, they were jaguars. And they knew that they were jaguars. Yep. And then over time they disappeared and then later they start seeing these black ones. Well, my theory is that that's because the black ones are the ones that were harder to see. They hunt at night. And so they're the ones that survived, and like you said, it was the dominant gene. So now we probably have a, a, a population here of, of black jaguars, along with the cougars, which are probably related to the, the same ones that are in Florida. So we've got uh, we've got it all here. <laughs> oh, I'll throw another one in the mix for you: the jaguar rundi. Oh yeah, we've seen one of those here. Uh, somebody saw yeah, one. Uh, my, my I think my brother. Uh, my brother. My brother saw one of those in the. My friend uh, Jim Broadus has a place in Panama City, Florida called Bear Creek Sea Lion Center. They have the only captive population, uh, breeding population of uh, of jaguar rundies in America. Uh, they're trying to use them for ambassador animals and let people know these exist. And there, it's controversy because once again, animals apparently read maps. So <laughs> the state of Texas and the federal government say that jaguar rundies are only native to. Cameron and Willisie County, which are the southern two counties of Texas, into Mexico, Central and South America. So apparently they look at maps and go, you know what, the habitat's just as good north. We're going to stay in these two counties. The problem is that there have been reports of jaguar rundies all along the Gulf Coast, into Florida, to such an extent that now the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is working on a paper to consider that there is a population of Gulf Coast jaguar rundies, which are a gray, dark gray, uh, or dark brown cat, and I'll, and I'll propose this. People seeing a dark colored cat at a distance who have no idea what a jaguarundi is, that's a black panther to them. Hmm. Because I have, I've just proved probably 50 photos sent to me of black panthers that were nothing but house cats. Well, I mean, I've, I've, so, had, I've had many black house cats in the field sent to me, and those are black panther. No, that's, that's a, that's a, right. that's a house cat, a feral house cat, you know? Right, right. Well, well you know, it's like this. There are people who spend a lot of time in the woods. Sure. And I don't I don't spend time in the woods like I did when I was young, but my dad was a major outdoorsman, hunter, mm-hmm. fisherman, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I've spent my share of time in the woods and dealing with animals uh, and seeing animals in the wild. My brother 
very much so. He still mm-hmm. does. He still does. And if he says he saw a jaguar undie, yep, then he saw then he saw one. Well, I he, saw he knows, one. You know what I mean? He, he he's not going to sure. see. He's not going to see a tabby cat and think it was a jaguar. <laughs> well, I saw a jaguar and I used there was one that used to live in Texas Zoo in Victoria. Only a scattered few zoos had them, and they never had breeding pairs. They were hard to get, and uh, it finally died. Well, I'm in Puerto Rico, Texas, on the island of Pleasure Island, and I'm nine o'clock in the morning. One walk thirty yards in front of me in the road. I go, oh, cool, a jaguar. I'm gonna swing my like, Oh my god, it's a jaguar. Huh. You know, because it's 300 miles north of where it's supposed to be. And I had photographed them. I was very familiar. And we have in our project, my friend Terry Warner and I had a project for four years from Southern Panther Search. And we solicited all these photos. And we have a firsthand, not photo on the Internet, Jaguar Rundy photo from northeast Texas. It's been verified by Jim Barlock at the, at the Bear Creek Sea Line Center. So these animals are out there. And that's just another great mystery animal that's out there that the experts say, doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But you know, we know how that goes. With, with uh, <laughs> you, you, you have the uh, the high priesthood and and uh, you know the the dogma that they that they maintain, and so they're going to try to shut down anybody that that steps outside of that. You know, if it comes to their attention. So, well, you oh, know, they, get, they, they 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 freak out on. Them. They get really dogmatic about where these animals could be, and it can only be verified if a biologist sees it. Well, they have to get up off their desk to go see it first, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. No, <laughs> because that's what the state has them doing, mm. filling out papers and reading junk. And uh, I tell people, wildlife will never be discovered behind a desk. you got to get out in the woods and look for it, and that's really the key of what we're doing, and that's what we're trying to do with our Kingdom Zoo, our ministry. We teach kids about Christ through the creation, but we're also mentoring kids and taking them into the wild and letting them become the next generation of wildlife explorer, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what needs to be done. I mean, it's just like children should be educated about firearms or any other thing that that has to do with survival in the outdoors and and conservation. And people have gotten so far away from these natural parts of growing up that were just standard when we were kids, you know? Oh, and, uh, I, I come across it's sad. Orange, Texas, it is, mm-hmm. a town of 20,000 people, right? And it's surrounded by woods and marsh and all this stuff, and hunting and fishing is very common here. You'll be shocked how many kids in Orange, Texas I have done presentations for who have never seen a rabbit. Oh, my gosh. That's just crazy. Even a rabbit. That is. But much less my kinkajou or, you know, my hedgehog or my python. They've never seen a rabbit. And yeah. there's such a disconnect now with nature, and it's a dangerous place to be because if you don't understand it and you go out there, that's when you get hurt by the monster hogs and the snakes and everything else. The other side of it is if we don't raise a generation that cares about nature, the industrialists, all the people will mow down every inch of habitat and destroy everything. And we have to have conservation. We have to use resources wisely, and we have to have quality of life. I had the huge honor of having Jim Fowler, Mutual of Omaha's Walk Kingdom, on my radio program recently. And Jim said, the outdoors is about quality of life. I tell you what, my quality of life diminishes greatly. The moment I can't walk outside and hearing the birds sing, Hmm. when I can't look out into woods and go, I wonder what's out there, when I can't look out into a clean ocean and wonder what kind of fish can I catch, 
my quality of life is diminished. And we have to have a new generation to be able to come up and appreciate that because we are dumbing kids down so much with the education yeah. system and giving them a false idea of nature. Well, not just that, but we're we're portraying things as good, which are not okay. For instance, people think that animals are are, are just all sweet and wonderful. They don't understand like what you and I've been talking about. Animals are just animals. You know, they're animals. No, they're, they're yeah, they're out there and know how to deal with them, but they're not being yeah. taught that. They're they're also not being taught that responsible gun ownership may save your life. They're no, being taught they have that no idea. guns are evil, you know, all, all this well, they're, crap. It's crazy. You know, this, they're being taught in yeah. school stuff like when, you know, basically let someone come do what they can and just hope they don't kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, which is insane. We, You yeah, know, there's insane. no reason the little girls of our country should be, you know, subjected to monster rapists exactly. um, when they have the, the, the Second Amendment to... Uh, alleviate that problem and send that guy to hell. I'm right. sorry. That's right. That's but, right. Uh, exactly. That's where he needs to go because there is good, there is evil, and you're going to get me in a rant, so we better not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Don't even get me started, you know. <laughs> because I happen to think the Second Amendment is, we know it definitely wasn't about muskets. And, uh, no. I happen to think, I, I happen to think that everybody ought to walk around with whatever the hell they want to. Well, we gotta be, we got, we got, we got to be responsible, and we just got to make sure that we realize it is about what the founders um, uh, said it was about, and read their documents, and don't let some modern progressive leftist communist decide what that is. Exactly. Um, and exactly. Even, this, if, and even if they cry, even even if they get on TV and cry, you know, they, uh, somebody gets on TV and cries about gun violence, supposedly. But doesn't cry about oh I don't know a terrorist attack in San Bernardino, terrorist attack in uh, uh, in Fort Hood, the terrorist attack in Paris. Uh, doesn't cry about that, you know. But well, I'll tell you what, and I'll, or, just, or I'll, just say one, you know? I'll say this one statement is all I know. The only thing I know that makes sense in this world to me that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, and um, that He is coming back one day. And if yeah. there is peace, and if I follow Him and do as He said. Um, it's all going to be okay. And we have to teach people truth. We have to teach people light. And we have to love one another, man. I mean, I may not like someone's political views, but I am commanded to love that person, which is what better for them in their life. And part of that better is teaching truth. Sometimes truth hurts. That's but right. The truth That's right. of the matter is we have to embolden ourselves. Because I am an advocate for children. My wife and I have dedicated our life to the gospel to children and they're reaching children that are hurting. And we hear horrible stories of rape, abuse, you just neglect, just horrible things happening to children. And what we want to see is tell the truth of what's going on there, keep these people behind bars that are doing these horrific acts to children, and um, to make sure that you can take interest in someone's life. It's amazing. Well, I'm give you a quick little story. You know, this is a very off our topic, but we work with a place that has children that are abused and neglected and taken from their homes because of abuse and things like that. Well, there was one little boy that I got to go. They don't stay there long, about three or four months, and we go and bring our animals to visit these kids because what we found is the animals soften them up. It lets them be a kid again. They Mm -hmm. forget about the abuse and the fact that they're not with their mom and dad or whatever, and they are a kid again for a few minutes. And there was one little boy there that had the, the worst third-degree burns I've ever seen in my life over his whole body. Mm, uh, and, I mean, it was horrible. 
And I was, you know, talking to him, and he let me pray with him, but he wouldn't get specific. Well, the next time I come back, I talk to him a little more. Well, the next time, I'm praying down with the kids, and I go to this little kid, and his name, and he gives me his name of Logan. And uh, I say, uh, Logan, you like the X-Men? He goes, yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you know that Wolverine's name is Logan? Hmm. He goes, really? I said, do you have any claws under that skin right there? Because he didn't want to see them. He kind of laughed. He goes, actually, I like the Avengers. I love Captain America. Well, I said, you know what? I love the Hulk, and I've always wanted to get really mad and tell somebody, don't make me angry. You know that kind of thing. He laughed. <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen the Avengers, but I go down a few other kids, and he looks at me. He said, Mr. Chester, that's your secret, huh? You're always angry. The line from the Avengers. Yeah. And then he held my hand on the way out, so I went from homely to the development. An opportunity. We have to reach kids. We don't have to be great at it. We, all we gotta do is love them in that one moment, one person giving a damn about a kid, not make the difference in their life and stop them from killing themselves or going down a dark path. That's so, right. Anyway, I agree. Here we go. <laughs> yep. I love that. I really love that. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the point that you make about using animals to reach these kids, I mean, I think that is a, a wonderful thing because it's like you were discussing a little bit earlier you know it, it, you'd be extremely upset if you can't go outside your house and hear a bird sing or something like that and there are sure, so many, there are so many children who who don't have that opportunity like you said they, they they've never even seen a rabbit before and and to be able to see or, or even touch something uh, along those lines, you know, is is just a wonderful thing, and can really draw out even the most hidden child, and 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 you know what I mean. Yeah, it, that, that's a good word hidden. for that. We, yeah, <laughs> that's it. We have a program called Wild Wishes, where we grant exotic animal encounters for kids who have a terminal illness or have lost a parent or a sibling. Um. We're doing our 10th in March, our 10th one. And it's been amazing to see how a day, we typically throw like an animal party uh, with all of our animals, and we take them to a place to see their favorite animal, that kind of stuff, and, and encounter. And it's amazing to see what something so simple can be in someone's life. Um, and it's one of our favorite things that we do. If you want information on that, go to kingdomzoo.com, and you can see about our Wild Wishes program, how you can help out. Because we're all about reaching out to those kids and uh and changing their destinies, you know. What uh, um, what other cryptid creatures, uh, uh, Chester, um, are are you interested in that you think you know? I mean, you know, we we've talked about the uh, the monster hogs and and, and yeah. the big cats. Is there anything else you know that uh, that you think is is very probable roaming around out there? Yeah. Well, the red wolf, if you go to my website, kingdomzoo.com on Michigan, you'll see videos and photos. We've got of red wolves and what are called koi wolves are descendants of red wolf-coyote hybrids that are they're definitely not coyotes. They're being called coyotes, but they're definitely not right. coyotes. Those are real, and I've always been interested in the Sasquatch phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always been super intriguing to me. I just returned right. from Northern California and got to go into some pretty cool areas. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it that to me that's the biggie. I mean that's that's the headline. That's the superstar. That's the one that spawned the TV programs and the books. And it's definitely a subject that uh, had me interested for most of my life. 
I think what surprises a lot of people, especially when it comes to Sasquatch, is that they're they're not just located, you know, up in uh, Washington or uh, uh, Western no. Canada. They're they seem to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the interesting thing is that if you look, and now Bigfoot and Sasquatch, those two terms are so common in the media, it's prevalent. When I first started doing field research in 1999, and I talked to people in East Texas. They wouldn't say Bigfoot. Mm-mm. They call it a wild man or a booger, booger or a brush yeah. ape. Yeah, yep. and those are yep. the terms because yep, it was right. regionalized. Bigfoot was invented by a newspaper in 1954 or something right. like that as a term. Um, and so people call them localized names. Like, for example, a cougar is Felix Concaller, but in the in the in Canada it's a catamount. In Florida, it's a panther. In Texas, it's a mountain lion. You know, so uh, it, it, it's the same thing. It's the same, probably the same animal, but it's different. Um, it's different ranges and things like that, and people would localize it. And so, you know, if you look at it from the context of from the 50s on, whatever, but you go back in history, there's just all kinds of reports of these kinds of animals. And it's not like chupacabra. Chupacabra was invented in 1994-5 in Puerto Rico. It had a name. They get a story behind it. The tabloid, there was never anything reported like it before. And then right. everything becomes a chupacabra after that, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. Everything, without, everything yeah. without hair is a chupacabra. Everything yeah. looks weird is a chupacabra. But Bigfoot has had one description throughout history despite having different names. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the thing. It touched on a couple points. When we had Lyle Blackburn on the show last, we talked about this, uh, the whole booger thing being an Appalachian and Southern thing. Yep. And that probably comes from the fact that so many people are from of British Isles descent, uh, Celts, uh, Scottish, Irish people, uh-huh. Scots Irish. They have over in the British Isles. They have uh, supernatural, scary monsters are called uh, bogies, boggles, boogles, yeah, bogies, boogles, yes, yeah. uh, boggarts. So that's where we get this yeah. whole booger thing from. But so as any strange creature, just called a booger. Like, like, supposed yep. to use it for a, for, for a, a big cat or a hairy monster yep. or whatever. But you were talking about the, uh, um, the chupacabra. And, and what, what's interesting to me is that the original description of that in, like you said, Puerto Rico sounds like uh, some sort of a, a hybrid creature, maybe created in a, in a lab. Something that, mm-hmm. that's just, just totally unnatural. But now all of a sudden you have these mangy canids everywhere. Or maybe they're partly from Mexican uh, hairless wolves or something, and people are—they're calling canines chupacabras, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's like calling Bigfoot a panda. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's just stupid. But but it's out there now. You know? Oh, I get it all the time in Texas. Being the editor in chief of the largest outdoor magazine, people will send us the photos, and I actually had a tax them to build me a chupacabra. Um, he had a uh, a coyote. I said, shade it. And uh, he had a coyote skin, shaved it, and he burnt it to give it the look of mange. Oh. And he, and he puts and he puts some javelina teeth to make it look weird because he wanted to do that. And uh, it looks like the ones you see on the, the pictures, you know. And I'll bring it out to shows, and, and what do you think this is? And I like this part. And I tell them that so these animal people are seeing people. You're not seeing a monster. It's a coyote or a fox with mange, you know. Uh, and, and it, it's, it's, it's a funny reaction, but it's something we use for education to people. You know, you might see something weird, but it's not a monster. That's not a monster. That's just a coyote with mange, you know? Right, exactly. 
Uh, uh, gentlemen, we unfortunately only have a, a few minutes left in the program. So, Chester, I, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, uh, have you tell our listeners uh, where they can find out more about you, uh, uh, television shows that you do, uh, a radio broadcast, uh, website presence, everything like that. All right, man. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you guys for the honor and privilege of coming and talking crazy critters with y'all today. Um, you can find me at kingdomzoo.com. That's kingdomzoo.com. If you need to reach me, you can email me at chester at kingdomzoo.com. Uh, you can find Kingdom Zoo on Facebook. Um, or just Chester Moore on Facebook, although I'm almost to my friend limit. And uh, you can find me every month in Texas Fish and Game Magazine. A lot of my writings at fishgame.com. I have a radio show every Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. on News 560 KLVI, KLVI.com. Um, it's podcast every week. We talk all kinds of wildlife, including cryptids. And uh, we do a lot of outreach, like our Wild Wishes program and other things. So, uh, And if you're just curious about more Bigfoot-type stuff, I've been on. I've done Animal Planet with Animal X. I've done the Travel Channel. I was on Southern Fried Bigfoot, um, National Geographic. There's a lot of that stuff out there as well from the past, and um, well, hopefully a lot more in the future. We also have a Roku channel, so if you have a Roku device, look up Kingdom Zoo. We'll be updating stuff starting in February every week. We already have some older episodes on there as well, starting off with Giant Hog. So we're excited about starting our filming this weekend. Mm. Well, man, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, I've got, we a, Roku. It. I've got, got a Roku, have... so I'll be looking for Oh, that. cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we got to have you back on because uh, – I have a feeling we barely scratched the surface because not all of us who are into the mysteries of of the unknown. We not only do we do we study the really strange anomalous stuff, but not all of us also you know study wildlife type topics. You know, it's interesting. So, a friend of mine compared me to Ivan Sanderson, which I wasn't that familiar with. Uh, Ivan was so Ivan Sanderson was a zoologist. He loved mm-hmm. animals, but he also loved cryptids. I guess it is kind of like me, you know. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, I, that's that to me. That would be a great honor to be compared to Ivan. But Sanders. I was like, whoa! I, I freaked out. I was like, dude, that's cool. I mean, like, I don't know if I deserve to wear his shoes, but uh, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, all right, guys, we need to uh, wrap it up here. So, Chester, thank you again very much for being on our show tonight. Have you back really soon? Yeah, thank you, guys, for having me. It was a lot of fun. Anytime I can be sure, on, it's an honor and privilege. All right, all happy right. New Year. Yes, I think. All right, Mike. Well, uh, let's uh, let's say good night to our audience. We'll be back again. Good night, audience. Time. Yeah, we'll be back again this time next week. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. So, good night. Thanks again for listening.